everyone and welcome to Previously in the Multiverse, Episode 7. I am Pierre, uh, joining me as always is Connor. Yeah, I'm just turning you down because that was extremely peppy and I'm, I'm not ready for that. That may be a degree of pep, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're, going, we're on a weekly schedule with these now. This is the first episode of our weekly uh, schedule for at least the time being. Um, so... We'll see how that goes. Uh, I mean, obviously, part of the reason for that is that there's no comics for the new show, for, you know, for the new comics for the other show. Uh, comics in the multiverse is on hiatus, and quarantine the multiverse has replaced it, which is where we just talk about random shit because there's no new books to talk about. But we do have old books, so previously can go on uninterrupted, uh, as it were, and we can we can get into it. So, uh, yeah, so this is our show where we talk about old DC comics, uh, obviously comics from the multiverse, when they're coming out, we discussed new DC comics, but uh, we work our way through a bunch of runs. On this episode, we'll be discussing Detective Comics 571, Wonder Woman number 7 from New 52, The Flash 66 from Mark Wage run, Birds of Prey Revolution issue 1, JSA number six, Superman Emperor Joker number one, and Batgirl issue three. That is the Stephanie Brown series from Brian Q. Miller. So that is the books that we're going to be looking at today uh, on the show. Uh, obviously, you know, we're swapping between Batman and Detective, and I think one of the interesting things when we get to that is just the 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 jarring shift back from year one. Uh, part one, uh, back to Detective, where it's kind of funny how the Batman was making this leap forward and Detective was still doing classic, here's some, you know, chum Batman and Robin antics. Yeah, and, and not to get too into it, because, well, I mean, it's the first thing anyway. But, it's the first book, so yeah. yeah. Doesn't really uh, it's it's one of the weakest issues of Detective we've had so far, I think. Uh, yeah, possibly, I don't know. I I wasn't super hot in like, the second half of that Catwoman two-parter, I don't think, so... No, that's true, but I, I found more to enjoy in that one than you did. Uh, that's, that's what made me laugh more. Maybe not for the right reasons, but... Yeah? It was a more entertaining read, I think. Again, not because it was good necessarily, but the, the, there was amusement to be had. Uh, a couple of panels in particular caught me off guard. It's a Scarecrow story. Uh, so this is uh, Detective Comics 571 we're getting into here. Mike W. Barr writing with Alan Davis on the on the art. Uh, this is a story about Scarecrow who's selling a, uh, an anti-fear gas to people, essentially, uh, so that they'll, they'll not be afraid of anything. But it's having the negative effect of them having no like safety impulses. So they're just doing crazier and crazier things until they die. <laughs> and... The issue starts with uh, this race car driver who just does this insane, uh, you know... Just doesn't break and yeah. tries to overtake someone. Just does an insane stunt and dies, uh, which leads to our first and most prominent laughable uh, panel of the, of the book, uh, which, you know, because you know, it starts with you know Bruce and Jason, they're just there, they're, they're at the races, they're watching, having a good time, uh, you know, whatever. Although, obviously, Bruce is concerned because there's been a couple of weird incidents recently so he's, he's kind of working uh, Jason's just enjoying a hot dog because he's Jason uh, why would he be doing anything important uh, but they run out when this this car crash happens uh, and Batman There's gets a hose incredibly fast costume change as well there is that yeah because he senses something's wrong before the crash actually happens and then by the time the crash happens and there's fire they're already in costume and swinging into the track but uh, Batman gets a hose and he's like, I'm going to have to go to the car and like pull out the driver and because it's so hot, you're going to have to hose me down. It's our only chance. 
which is a weird which is weird in of itself as an idea like it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense but there's a panel here where robin is spraying batman with a, a, the fire hose and this is the, the 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 word balloon that batman has here i'm going to read this word for word i, I know exactly what this is <clears throat> after let me take a wee drink before i read this and this has to be a good take on yeah 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 this is a this is a pretty uh, spectacular line okay here we go do 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 a batman voice while you do it don't forget <laughs> what like a bail batman voice <laughs> you you choose do, do any batman voice you like goodbye hose me down now that's it good and wet Hose me down now. That's it. Good and wet. Dot dot dot. Yeah. I, I, I just want to give you. A, I'm going to give you a small amount of credit there for getting through that without laughing. <laughs> I just. I, manage that. I don't. And he's like, keep keep the hose trained to me no matter what as he runs out of the fire. Okay, I get spraying him with the hose when he's actually in the fire to try maybe douse the flames a bit as he's running through. But he he grabs the driver. He gets out. And then when he's holding the driver, he's holding him sort of in his arms, and Batman says, keep that spray on him, that's right, dot dot dot. Like, how, why is this written like he's a pedophile? I don't know, like, he, he said, do, do you know that scene in Dodgeball, where they're doing the car wash, and the, the fat guy's got uh, Justin Long, like, washing his tires, and he's like, yeah, get in there, good boy. Like, that, that's what this is written like. <laughs> they could have lifted that, the dialogue from that movie right out of this. I don't, I just... Baffling. Ba- baffling. But yeah, so he's but he's in a good mood. The driver's in hospital, he's in a good mood, but Batman does some detective work with the the old uh, microscope and he's like, oh, this is a scarecrow thing. Uh, he asked Jason if he knows who the scarecrow was and Jason gives a couple panels just to tell the audience who the scarecrow was just in case they don't know. Uh, honestly, as far as a, a little flashback previously in Batman goes, it was fine. It was a little... Here, this is just your crows. Don't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, just in case this is your first scarecrow yeah. story ever. Uh, Jason's, of course, terrible at surveillance. He's bored uh, watching the hospital room, thinking Scarecrow might come back. Scarecrow's whole scheme here, by the way, is to basically then sell them an antidote for the fear toxin, or the anti-fear toxin, uh, which he will... Well, he tries to charge them, was it, 50 grand, I think? So he's yeah. that's his scheme. He he basically makes them sick in a way that will kill them if they don't pay, pay up for the antidote. Uh, yeah, it's a flawed plan though. Yeah, because they're not—they're so unscared. They're like, I don't need no antidote. Yeah, it's a flawed plan because they're, they're more likely to die than actually survive to get the antidote. But yeah, because this guy would have died if Batman didn't save him. But your scarecrow, scarecrow's not the brightest the bulb in the. He's an actual doctor. Yeah, but he's a mad doctor. He's bad financially. His financial sensibilities aren't aren't. Aren't all there? Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. His business sense is is dreadful. When it, comes, when it comes to chemicals and toxins and the chemistry and the you know he's got his beakers out and test yeah, tubes. Is he a doctor? Because he's, he's a professor and he he kind of does all this stuff. But does he have a doctorate? Yeah, he's been I called doctor. He's been yeah, he's been Doctor Jonathan Crane. I've seen that. That's fine. That's fine. I just that thought it was times. for a second, or I couldn't picture it. Yeah, of course. Jason gets all cocky, jumps in to fight Scarecrow on his own when he does show up. Uh, and yeah, I do like how Scarecrow's like, oh, thank God, it's just you. It's just you. Uh, which is actually kind of funny because uh, it just so happens that the, the, the arc in Batgirl that we're concluding this week is also a Scarecrow arc. And I thought it was interesting how there's a very similar moment in that issue where Batgirl jumps in and he's like, oh, it's just just you then. Oh, okay, not, not Batman. All right. <laughs> uh, of course, in that issue, I was rooting for Batgirl to prove him wrong. Here, I was like, yeah, of course you're losing. 
Uh, so Jason gets kidnapped uh, and doused with fear toxin. It's a whole thing. Uh, he also puts Jason in a sack and throws him out the window. <laughs> no, no, no. He drags Jason away. It's the uh, the guy he makes jump out the window where he. Uh, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Right. Okay. That... The guy's is like, you know, he's our last chance to pay to pay for it, and it's it's a hundred grand now, not fifty. He's like, I'm not paying. He's like, well, suit yourself. But I bet you you can't jump from that from this window and live. And and of course, of course, I can. I can do anything. Yeah, he jumps out. No, fair play. Uh, also, reminded me of that joke. Uh, yeah, this is definitely the best issue of Detective of this we've read so far. I fully, I thoroughly disagree with a statement that this is the worst. This is the most entertaining by far. Maybe not because it's good, but that joke was legit funny. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a funny joke, but I mean, I, I, I think it is the worst issue. No, no, no. I, I had way more fun with this one. Uh, Scarecrow uh, goes to see this uh, daredevil as his next victim, this uh, guy who's planning his next big stunt. And it turns out to be Batman. Batman literally rips off the face and he's got his cowl on underneath the mask. <laughs> like, he's got like a fake face on and he rips off the face and the cowl, he's got the cowl on. Like, the where are the ears the hiding? I'm defending this is, no, 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 look how big that hair is that he's got on on that face. That, that big massive wig, that'll cover up those ears, no problem. Okay, true. He's got quite. I guess. Okay. Okay. The ears are covered. All right. You're right. You're right. The hair is kind of elaborate to account for that. Uh, Honestly, my my bigger problem here is, um, we're in an era of Batman where it's just the white slits for eyes. Right. There's no actual like eyeballs that you can see. It's just the white. But this guy's got eyes, and he's looking around. Did he put on fake eyes on this mask? I've never taken the white slits, slits to be literal. That's what's there. More just an artistic embellishment. No, no, no. When when we have close-ups on the mask and it's still white slits, and it's the same with Jason as well. I think it's very intentional. Like there is like there is meant to be something in the mask to cover his eyes. Uh, I mean, I guess I I, I don't care. I just don't it's, care. It bothers me on this disguise. I just don't care. Uh, Scarecrow uh, has Batman down with some of his uh, fear stuff. Uh, you know, leaves him an R to let him know that Robin's been taken. Um, but, uh, of course, Batman, having been doused with this stuff, is kind of fearless right now, and he's like, ah, it doesn't matter. I can go after him. Uh, it's fine. So, he's, they're at, like, a work site, a building site, and we essentially get, like, a little gun, like, here as Batman goes through various traps set up by Scarecrow, ones involving a truck. I thought it was particularly noticeable that when Batman dodges this big, you know, semi-truck, uh, he uses his cape like he's uh, bullfighting, uh, he sort of holds yeah. it up uh, like a matador. Uh, I thought, okay, was, but but in the flamboyant side, uh, definitely cheesy Batman here, but that's okay. Yeah, I think in its defense, this is Batman on the drug. No fear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Batman with no fear. All of a sudden, he's way more flamboyant. Yeah, yeah. How is Daredevil not like this all the time? Oh dear. Oh, that's why he doesn't have a cape, so he's not tempted. Uh, but there's like a, there's a big grinder that he throws his belt in, so it'll explode because all the explosives are in there. Uh, then the final trap is that he's, there's like a a big spinning. This is proper over the top cartoon stuff, but the, all the traps here with the big spinning uh, metal grinder like thing yeah, is chasing him down the, the hall. Pool when the guns come out the wall. Yeah, because the final of the issue is he shows up and beats Scarecrow, and then Jason says, "How the hell did you survive that?" And he's like, "Ah, oh, you know, I was holding my breath in the corner and blah blah blah." Uh, but the final beat of the issue as they're carting Scarecrow away, he's like, "Well, what did the uh, the fear show you? What was your worst fear?" 
uh, or, or how did you like you know regain your fear and he's like oh i i basically thought of the worst possible thing the, the b- biggest fear i could possibly come up with and it kind of brought my fear back and i laughed out loud at this uh, me too yeah because the fears it shows as he's dragging off because uh, he doesn't tell jason he's not willing to tell him but we see what it is it's a tombstone that says here lies jason todd <laughs> murdered by the scarecrow no he doesn't get killed by scarecrow but it's still pretty funny <laughs> Yeah, this is 74 to 86. It's not even that far off. No, I thought a couple of years. It's, uh... Yeah. I don't know, 89, maybe, I think, is maybe when he dies. I can't remember. Uh, but still, really funny. Really, fu- really funny that, stuff. That, that's a funny beat. Although, again, that's only funny because of knowledge that we have. It's not sure. actually a funny beat. Sure. But the guy jumping out the window was funny. All the weird, like predator pervy dialogue from batman no that's just that, that, that i had fun with this issue I, I it was what it was i i mean it's not a good issue per se uh but it's a bad issue either i i think this is a solid fun six out of ten i think it's 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 not the worst issue i think it's uh, i mean well it's, by that i mean that i've ever read i mean i, I still think it's the worst issue of detective that we've had on this show so far um, but it's not like terrible. I do think it's too long, and there's a point where it almost feels like that should be the end of the issue. I think it's it's when um Batman's been doused with the stuff and he's given the R, and it's like okay, you know, he's got Robin. That feels like that should be the end of the issue, and then it should be an issue of the other stuff paced properly, as opposed to just this like four pages of weird action sequences. Um, I don't know. Um, uh, I'm gonna give it a Five. Now, extending that Catwoman story out to two has hurt it immensely. This was perfectly paced for, for the absurdity little story that it was. Uh, fine as it is. Uh, we'll move on, though. We'll move on to Wonder Woman issue seven. Brian Azzarello, Cliff Chang's back on the art. Uh, so I've been kind of down on this, uh, this this book, and I thought this issue was better focused than the last couple. Uh, I, I'm still pretty much just kind of like going through the motions with it though um, and I think this issue kind of exemplified to a point why is I just I can't be arsed with all this new mythology I just can't like I'm just I, I just don't care like A because I know it's already irrelevant I know it's all been retconned um, and it's not even like it's like an interesting separate mythology it's like it just feels different for the sake of being different I don't know it, it bugs me uh, so I think Honestly, a lot of it isn't that different to what we've got. It just, it's just the visuals of the gods that are pretty different. Well, you're telling me that in other continuity from Wonder Woman, like all the sons, all, the Amazons came to the mainland, had had a lot of sex, had all these sons, which were then sold back to someone else to be his workers for the, this forge. No, no, no. I'm not saying that, that that was there before. I'm saying that I don't think that has actually been retconned out of continuity. I don't because, recall that being, just, being undone. Just because it's not been mentioned does not mean that it's still in continuity. There's a difference. I mean, until told otherwise, you can it kind of is. I'm pretty sure everything in this run is just out. Uh, that, that's a bit of a bold claim. <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a bold claim. What, you talk, what do you mean it's not out of continuity? Like, anyone who leaves Themyscira in current continuity can never go back. Um, okay, sure, that bit is definitely out of continuity, yeah. Yeah. That was a retcon, though. That was a retcon in itself for, like, everything that Wonder Woman had ever happened. 
but I mean, it's not retconning the entirety of all the stories. It's ch- it's it's fudging the details, <laughs> like like a lot of retcons do. Sure, but it, 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 like that that is a retcon is an interesting idea about Diana like not being able to go home again. Everything in this is like, oh, we're going to do this new edgy take on everything, and like. I, I actually thought that you know Hephaestus having the 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 sons is is actually a really unique and interesting idea, because of course there are sons, and what what do you do with them? And th- them being you know the, the works that Hephaestus is forge, I think is a uh, is pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. Go on. What do you want from me? Yeah, just yeah, just I don't know. Just I thought that was I thought it was interesting. I mean, I I don't mind the idea of Wonder Woman like going all heroic and like trying to break them all out, only for them to say, "Hey, now we like you here. We're not slaves. We, you know, he saved us from certain death, and we're happy here. We, we get to make cool shit." Uh, she made this assumption that they had to be rescued, and they didn't. Uh, like that that final beat is is solid enough. I have no yeah. problem with that. That that in many ways is why I think this issue is a stronger issue than the last couple. I think it's better paced and put together. It has a point. It feels focused. Uh, the visuals of Wonder Woman fighting this uh, big fiery mole rat thing that comes out of the, the molten uh, pit. Uh, solid. That, that, that stuff, solid visually. I can't really fault that. Uh, but the, the new mythology stuff, I mean, I, I just, like, I don't particularly one of the, like it. One of my favourite beats in this issue properly made me laugh it's something i'd kind of forgotten about it's one of those small little things is that uh lennox trying to light his cigarette off hephaestus's arm you know this this idea of him trying to light cigarettes off the gods being a kind of running gag uh after after him trying to light on hades candlehead uh a couple of issues ago uh i just I don't know i really like that touch so that that, that properly made me chuckle mm. yeah uh so obviously the art's good because chang's back um, yeah, it looks great. You know, uh, so I, I can't, I can't fault that. Uh, and you know, she's she's here because she she's a way to get to hell to try and get Zola back. Because uh, because the last lines get kind of this this play in words where, uh, you know, the the leader Hephaestus here he isn't mad that Diana's tried to do what she's done. You know, he, yeah, he kind of understands it. She's like, no, you you were wrong, but I get why you did it. You, yeah. You know. But he says, get some rest, you'll need it for tomorrow, you can go to hell. Which usually, when you say you can go to hell, is an insult. It's, a, you know, someone be mad at you. But this is actually literal. No, tomorrow you can go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. But I just, you know, I, I, there's a reason why I stopped reading this in the first place. Uh, I, I'm just kind of, like, yeah, I'll go through the motions with it. That's fine. I have nothing interesting to say. You're going to have to carry this one for the rest of the run. Uh, Fair enough. Yes. No, I, I I really like the these gods. Uh, Hephaestus, obviously, uh, uh, being the the ugly creature that he is, that's uh, that's kind of a big defining part of of his mythology anyway. Uh, being hideous, um, the the way that is kind of exemplified here in this design and is really twisted. It's it's very unique. Uh, I I really like that design, and you know. Uh, just the the way he kind of plays off them, I think, is, is it really, you know because he's he's the weapons master. He builds everything. He, you know, he created all the the, the the Amazon swords and stuff like that. All the all the god stuff, and he kind of dismisses the lasso truth, thinking, "Oh, that's that's nothing. That's just a, a trinket, a toy. You know, that's not a weapon." Until he sees Wonder Woman use it, and then, uh, you know, by the end of the issue, when she actually has him, you know, captured and tied up with the lasso, I think that's a 
a pretty nice twist on a, on his expectations and her kind of shattering those over the issue. Hmm. All right, what are you giving it? Uh, I'm give it a, I'll give it an eight. I'll give it a six. Oh, yeah, I think it's an issue that's, that's, that's constructed well, but um, just not into it. So. Uh, we'll move on then uh, to The Flash, issue 66. Mark Wade writing Mike Collins on art. A uh, regular artist is uh, off for an issue at least. Uh, it's a one-shot story with uh, an Aquaman tie-in. Well, not tie-in, crossover, but better. Guest appearance. He's guest appearing, yes. Uh, Linda's taking Wally on a cruise that she's gotten from her work, and... Uh, people still seem to know he's the Flash uh, right now. That was something we questioned during the the big special, this you know the anniversary special back at the start of this run, uh, because he's he's clearly running in front of people and doing stuff in the the boat. Uh, but they're they're playing tennis or racquetball, I think it may be actually, uh, and he's kind of showing off, and Linda's kind of pissed that he's showing off. Uh, they they do make a point of saying that him and Linda aren't technically an item right now. Clearly, they're in kind of a weird. Yeah, but I mean, Place. if you invite a guy on a cruise with you, that's a, that's a, a bit more than nothing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit more than nothing, but clearly they're not in a place where they're willing to admit they're, they're in a relationship right now or, or, or whatever. Uh, and basically, he's kind of bored on the ship because there's not a lot to do for someone of his super speed sensibilities. But all these whales start uh, interrupting the cruise. And essentially, we get a plot here where uh, Aquaman is actually being mind-controlled himself by the marine marauder, this mohawk wearing... It's uh, a huge mohawk as Yeah, well. huge green mohawk, uh, who basically enslaves the people who were on the cruise to help sort of start digging and whatever, because she's on this little island looking for this underwater sunken city because she wants this crown of this Atlantean god or, or whatever it is. It's a, it's a really over-the-top thing. She's got people hanging upside down, uh, dangling above like uh, sharks who are sort of bobbing out of the water. Uh, proper comical stuff. Uh, but Wally gets out and ultimately he tries to help, but she says, hey, I've been controlling everything. Even if you stop me, the sharks are just going to eat these poor people over here. You know, I, I've been spending all my time looking for this thing. I can control Aquaman. Uh, so I'm sending you down. You put on your costume and I'm sending you down. You, you're going to help me and you're going to go get this crown for me. So Aquaman goes out of the water. Aquaman shows up. But he's not Aquaman, like, in control of himself. He's Aquaman being controlled by her. Uh, you know, and this is showing how good her aquakinesis is, is that she can even control Aquaman. Uh, yeah, because a... he's apparently fish enough that it works on him. Yes. So they find this big vault door, they go in, the water goes rushing in, uh, they find this crown and, the, you know... Yeah, it's just like underwater palace. Uh, they get back up, Aquaman puts on the crown, uh, and he's like, I am... What did he say? What's his name? Enlil. Like, en, en, Enlil, yes. I am Enlil, and I'm good. And the storm's brewing above him. It's over the top, all the rest of it. We see the... Uh, the, the, the the clouds all go dark, the waves are all starting to crash, the storm's brewing around the island. Uh, so while he goes to save everyone, put them in a cave to you know save them from this tidal wave that's coming, uh, he even managed to save Aquaman and uh, take off the crown by surprising him from behind. Uh, and he tries to save Marauder as well, but she wants the crown and ends up, he's like, no, I have to close the cave off with the rocks to save everyone, and she's left outside. Uh, and it's like, okay, fine, Disaster averted. Aquaman's back to being himself uh, ever since the crown got bumped off him and 
Uh, it's like, okay, but what about Marauder? Could she have survived that? And the final panel is just like her hand, like out, out of a pile of rocks as if she's reaching for the crown, but seems to be dead. Uh, I actually really like that, that kind of beat on it at first. It's like, you know, it, you see the crown and then it pans over and you see the hand and it's like, maybe mm-hmm. she'll return to her revenge. Maybe. And then the final panel is the full reveal and it just says, nah, because it's just her body completely stuck under. She is dead. It's just there happens to be an arm yeah. sticking out. Yeah, I never heard of Marine Marauder, but there's a good chance that this was her one and only appearance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a pretty good uh, chance. Uh, definitely a regular artist back next issue, because it says so at the end of mine, because I'm reading the singles on DC Universe. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I mean, that was fine in this, I thought. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. It's not as good as the regular arts, but it was solid enough. Uh, it's definitely a, a, a fun, just sort of like one-off tangent issue where it's like, oh, it's just a, this wacky story uh, where they're trapped in an island and like, you know, even Linda's like trying to help with what's going on and try to get you know, Wally up and running. Because Wally didn't even bring his costume. It was actually Linda who brought his costume. So... Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's not a bad issue by any means. Um, it is the epitome of just here's a fill-in issue while we wait for our regular artist it's kind of weird that we have the uh the year one story arc and then it's okay we're back to the present day stuff but we have to like get this weird issue first before we get to like the whatever the main plan is going to be uh, yeah I, you almost feel like when they were originally collecting the trades at the time this might not have been collected at all like they'll have they'll have done you know the the born to run Skip this one and then collected the next whatever arc is that we've got with the 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 proper team. Yeah, uh, I'm glad it's included though. I don't like skipping issues. Oh, uh, no, no, I, I wasn't saying that, that yeah. they should. I can just I can feel that at the time. Now we've we've mostly moved past that sensibility now and just kind of collect everything. Yeah, uh, it's had a fun time. Obviously, it's not a you know, standout issue by any means, but. Uh, as a romp goes with silly theatrics of sharks and tidal waves and all the rest of it. It's, it's kind of weird that it is more of an Aquaman story than a Flash. I mean, Flash is still the main character. Wally's still the central focus of it all, but the, what the villain's doing, all the visuals and all the all the, the actual sort of threats that he faces are all Aquaman-style stuff. Yeah. So, what are you giving it? Uh, I'm giving it a six. So it's fine. Yeah. I'm... I'm... I'll go 6.5. Oh, 6.5. I was tempted to give it a 7. I thought maybe that's a bit too much. Uh, but a bit generous. Yeah. But it's fine. It's fine. Uh, all right. We'll move on then to Birds of Prey Revolution issue one. Uh, this is Chuck Dixon writing with Stefano Raphael on the art. This is another oversized one shot, uh, which, you know, is basically what the rest of volume one of the, the big trades are at this point. Um, and, but what I think is interesting is that this did again continue kind of where oracle and canary are in terms of the relationship and it mm-hmm. kind of comes to a head at the end of the issue a little bit uh so like past stories you know uh dine is out you know fighting stuff and uh she's undercovered this weird kind of enslavement scheme with this uh like it's like a casting couch style thing where they they have actors come in but then they drug them and put them to sleep and send them off to be slaves uh, and so there's some fighting here from this and she finds out that they have to go to Santa Prisca uh, Oracle's like oh there's a boat leaving soon you can maybe sneak on and she's like wait what I've still got an expense account right so it cuts to her on a plane and she's uh, in first class uh, drinking champagne so 
you know, so some some comedy there. Uh, once we get there, though, it kind of sets up this. Uh, it, it makes it look that there's going to be some sort of big drug ring. Uh, that this guy, uh, what was his name? Um, the, the love interest. No, the love interest. Oh, the love interest. Uh... Uh, yeah, because because meets this guy who seems to be part of this sort of. You know, he's he's, he's negotiating with the the local. Uh, like gang or whatever about what they're growing in their fields and you assume it's drugs it's, it's, but there's kind of a, a reveal later that's kind of fun where it turns out no 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 this is actually it's cola leaves they're, they're, they're growing and the, one of the big cola companies like wants their, their, their leaves from here and he's kind of negotiating on their behalf and it's big business so he's, they send in this guy who can fight and negotiate and there's a funny bit where it, it plays into the drug angle at one point which is like oh is it is it a grown product by any chance and he's like, "Why, well, yes, it is." <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously it's a fake brand of uh, cola as well because they're not using pe- you know Pepsi and Coke. Uh, because yeah. at the end, when she kind of like says, "Now nah, we're not going to be a thing," she says that she's a like a, a you know, it's, it's kind of like, let's say it was Coke. At the end, she would be saying, "Oh, I'm, I'm more of a Pepsi girl," and walks away. But it's not obviously not that word. It's like some made up <laughs> brand. Yeah, uh, you get the joke though. Uh, so I mean, that's that's basically basically the uh thing is but the, the big part of the issue though is that dinah tries to take on this fight on her own and like we've seen her do a couple of times she takes out her earpiece to stop talking to oracle when oracle tells her to back off and gets herself captured it's actually kind of a funny beat actually where she's like out in the far uh, out in the jungle even she's kind of like sneaking about and oracle's like saying look be careful they don't like being you know interrupted or anyone watching them be careful and she's like don't worry i've got this and then the very next panel is like just she's surrounded by masked men with the guns and she's like oh and oracle's like oh what oh dinah what oh like it's just really funny beats like that really make the, the the chemistry between them work uh really good stuff um and she gets captured uh ultimately uh she gets swiped from behind and uh there's also a, a little thing here where she she, she befriends like the guy that was like a kid who drives her to her hotel when she arrives uh tico who then becomes like an ally where he like ends up driving the truck full of the sleeping people uh, who've all been yeah. kidnapped and the kid's like 12 or something yeah uh, do you know what i felt they were going for here i felt like i was getting like short round from uh, temple of doom kind of like vibes i think that's what they were kind of going for here a little bit yeah, uh, i can see that but she gets knocked out and kidnapped and Babs has to do something a bit radical. She puts a call in to uh, Mr. Galleon. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the love interested. Uh, I found his name. And she's like, hey, you don't know who I am, but you're going to have to. Uh, and basically kind of threatens him, but ultimately in a way to go and save Dinah. Like, you know, she's doing this so that someone will be there to go in and get Dinah. Because they're about to, like, basically experiment on her. She's, she's like, strapped to a table and they're going to... Yeah, they've got these forceps coming in right at her face, and it's yeah. uh, sinister looking. Yeah, uh, but of course, Galleon and his troops show up, and uh, the fight ensues. He shoots some of the bad guys, uh, gets her undone, uh, and we get a big action sequence where she runs off and does some theatrics. She ends up hanging from a helicopter, running up a building, and there's flames and all the rest of it, um, and gets the you know the, the the general who's behind all this stuff, and uh you know he he's actually kind of funny as well because he's like he's sort of basking because he can't, he can't swim uh and she's got him like so you know gallant shows up like hanging from a helicopter to like get them out of the water so you know big theatrics it's kind of what birds of prey has been mostly pretty good at since it started you know all the all the issues we've read there's been a lot of good action stuff they're really leaning into the uh the fun kind of espionage side of it um, yeah definitely um 
I hope this issue wasn't as strong as some of the others like this because uh, I thought art was a bit hit and miss. Like some points, it was perfectly decent. Other points, it was kind of rough. Uh, very cheesecakey at times as well. Uh, yeah, a bit cheesecakey. I can I can agree with that. Uh, I probably like this the second best though. I mean, because what we've had we had that first one which was really good, and mm. then we had uh, the the flashbacky one with Lois, and that was okay. We had the four issue mini which was enjoyable, but I don't think that was as good as that first one. And I think this was probably the second best. I think this is probably story wise. I mean, uh, mainly because I I think Babs and Oracle's relationship has really got to a point here where at the end. Babs is like, no, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about you not listening to me. And they have this argument where uh, you know, it ends in this really better. So, you know, I think it's quite interesting where even though this is a one-shot, it's clear that there was plans to kind of continue this uh, going forward into at least another one-shot or another mini or whatever. Yeah, I think at the end of mine, I'm, I'm just going to uh, flick through and check. It actually says, yeah, co- uh, coming soon, birds of prey wolves. Oh, there you go. Uh, so, but, you know, it ends in this bittersweet moment where Babs yells at her over the comms and says, "No, you have to like work with me. You have to listen to me." And hangs up on her, um, and she just she's, she's left standing there on the beach on her own, kind of all somber. Uh, so it's it's a really I, I like how there's, there's this this continuity here uh, with their 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 relationship, which I, I think yeah. is that the heart of the whole story or the whole book right now is them working together and kind of struggling. Um, also, Babs hugging her little Batgirl uh, plushie. Also, yeah, I, I think I, I think you're right in that this has got some really strong character beats for the pair of them. And you know, you said oh, it has the like the second best story because of that. And I'm not sure I necessarily disagree with that because I think those beats are really solid. I just personally found the read as an issue uh, over long and kind of a bit you know it was a bit drawn out and the action hit or miss with the art so. It wasn't as it wasn't necessarily as enjoyable as some of the other stuff, even even if the uh, the actual the core beats, if you distill it down to just that, when you think about it, were quite strong. Yeah, no, I was into it. I was into it. Um, I I think Dixon's uh, writing is one that I find doesn't usually weigh on my uh, weigh on my patience. So even when it's a longer issue like this, I find to get through it relatively well. Even that first one shot we did that was quite big. Um, I I never really felt the length all that much. Like I could tell it was longer on a regular issue. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like I was um you know oh that felt like a really quick read. But I never felt it weigh on me as I was reading. Whereas think... sometimes when I'm reading annuals and stuff like that, I'll you know I'll like I'll get like halfway through. And I'm like oh my god, this is yeah no, I get that. Um, I think I felt it a bit more than you did in this issue because by the time we got to like the second action or sequence, like the, like the, or the third one by the end, I was I was really feeling like oh it's another action sequence. Uh, as yeah. opposed to just having like yeah you know, one proper sequence at some point in a in a standard sized issue. Yeah, so obviously next time we'll be doing wolves, but uh, what would you give this issue? Uh, I'm gonna give it a six because uh, you know all the stuff I was just saying basically. Well, I liked it a bit more than you did, so I'm gonna go with a seven. Uh, mm. Really solid stuff. Uh, I'm loving the uh, the development of their relationship and. Obviously, you know, comics I often relate to TV shows, but in the same sense, I think the character relationships are arguably the most important part because they're the stuff that has to be there, you know, for the whole book. So can't really argue with that. So, yeah, uh, we will move on then uh, to GSA issue six. 
Uh, Jeff Johns writing with David Goyer as well, of course, writing. <laughs> I said that in a weird way. But those two are writing. And then we have uh, Marcos Martin on the art. Uh, so, Johns! Finally! He's here. He's here. He's on the book. It's, uh, it's exciting. Uh, so, this issue, really interesting. So, Bones, who we kind of teased before, uh, we bookend the issue with him and his limo uh, talking about the GSA being back and his plans for them. Uh, the GSA are at a big ceremony kind of announcing their, their comeback and you know, Stargirl is asked to cut the ribbon and everyone's all excited and you know all, all the different personalities are bouncing off each other uh, really good stuff but all, we, we very quickly get into the real story of the issue though which is uh, there's some tremors in the city, San senses it and he swims through the the earth, which is a great panel, I think. It's a great visual of him just... There's this new mm. sort of side of his powers that he's got where he can just do this. Uh, I love the, the panel just before as well where he, like, he dives in. And, like, it is like a, a proper a swimmer's dive. Yeah. Uh, and he comes out and Black Adam's there and he's just causing chaos. Uh, so the GSA show up and they fight Black Adam. Uh, there's a lot of action stuff here. A lot of the issue amounts to the various attempts to fight Black Adam. Uh, you know, Fate tries to fight him uh, and Adam basically goes for the helmet and, you know, doesn't quite take it off, but, like, ca- causes chaos with it. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff throughout. There's, there's uh, Jay running around grabbing rocks and glass whenever things are getting smashed. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, damage limitation going on with the crowd, like, you know, yeah. uh, Alan kind of saving people from falling, Adam smashes, like, holding up a building. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on, and they kind of take turns. Ultimately, the big plan is those that our man's going to take his time ship because uh, Doctor Fate says, "Okay, there's only two ways to get him to turn back into uh, his human form." Because uh, they're saying that Black Adam was reformed recently, but of course, something seems to be wrong, uh, and they speculate that what's been going on recently is maybe given like Teth Adam, you know, the 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 human, the criminal side of him, like enough control to sort of re- regain who he is. Uh, so they go, the plan is just to go back in time with the time ship and there's a fun little moment here where I think fate, I think it's Fate who says like oh you'll feel right at home Kendra and Kendra's like what, what, what is that supposed to mean? to mean yeah like she's confused like what are you talking about uh, so they go back in time because the, the second way of course uh, is to actually hit him with some of Shazam's lightning so their plan is to go back to when he first became Black Adam and send some of the lightning through a portal into present day to turn him back into a human <laughs> I mean, it's a convoluted plan, but there's a. I, I kind of love it. I kind of love it. So while this is all happening, there's more fighting going. Star Girl's getting some licks in. Uh, I really love the sand, especially uh, opening up like a, a crevice in the ground, and then Black Adam goes into the air, thinking, "No, this will protect me." So he's like, "I've never tried this before," but he, basically, like, uh, like Terra almost. He like sort of like shoots the ground up at him. So yeah, he's kind of developing his powers. He's getting more more you know he's learning on the job he's, he's getting a lot more uh varied with them i suppose is the word i'm looking for uh, versatility versatility there you go uh so sure enough the lightning hits the original uh black adam and well say original you know what i mean the the, the the original time it hit him and they send the lightning through a portal kendra being this conduit for it and it turns it back into a human black canary knocks him out uh and you know uh Agent Chase, Cameron Chase shows up. Uh, it's like, oh, we've got a space form. The DEO are in full effect. And right at the end of the issue, it cuts back to the limousine. Uh, you know, Bones is watching this on the news. And he's like, well, it's a shame they don't know about the hot girl's sordid past, but they're going to find out all too soon when I make them my pitch. 
so then, yeah. uh, you know it's him you know riding off in a limo all mysterious like and there's a there's a reveal with black adam as well that he he has some kind of a brain tumor mm. that, that's killing him and that's what affected him so much and has kind of made him go off on one so they're they're quite sympathetic to him at the end here they, they kind of recognize that oh no he's genuinely unwell here this maybe wasn't his fault yeah no it's really good i i think it's a really quick read actually because it has so much of it was just a, a big fight scene uh, the fight yeah. stuff really goes in quick and it made it you know it's not like i was saying a lot as i was describing it but ultimately it's just a lot of fighting uh with the, the main plan kind of happening in the bookends to kind of set up the future plot but like once again it's all these characters getting their own little moments and the, the big stuff of course being okay we're interested in black adam because black adam's going to be a recurring character but also teasing the kendra stuff teasing teasing that hawk man hawk girl past and mm-hmm. you know really planting those seeds so as a seed planting issue it's really good and obviously i mean i love bones so <laughs> having bones kind of like tease that he's coming soon uh while they're having this kind of romp of a fight in the middle of it uh yeah makes a lot of sense it, it feels very 90s tv to me in, in, in the best possible way so no i get that i get where you're coming from yeah so uh, it's, no. it's, a, it's a real solid issue i think um it's not like the most exciting issue uh even though yeah it's exciting in the context of oh john's is finally here and i think john's has a has a real fondness for for black adam and I think that shows immediately from this. And, you know, he, he say he's a recurring thing over the run. There's a lot of stuff that goes on with him over the next handful of years. Uh, but it's it's interesting just how immediately he starts bringing that in and kind of playing with, with that character. Um, but it's, you know, it's in, as an issue just in its own right, it's it's solid. It's, it's not, it's not uh, anything particularly special. It's just it's ideas that are being established that are interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think I like it more as a chapter on the overall GSA story than I do as in a standalone story, if that makes sense. I agree with that. As as part of the larger whole and what it alludes to and the things that it's kind of playing with and teasing, like with Hawkgirl, uh, th- those things, oh, this is really interesting and, and it's doing all the things that it should be hmm. doing. Even just but the little just things, a... like at the start when they're doing the ribbon cut and then it's like there's just the little exchanges between Wildcat and and yeah. star girl just, just building up because again this is still a very new series at this point yeah. and building up some of that camaraderie between these characters and that's important in an ongoing series so i i, I think it's very solid as well so what are you giving it uh, i'm gonna give it a 7.5 yeah yeah but yeah i'll agree with that 7.5 uh really good stuff so that'll take us on to superman emperor joker issue one Joe Kelly and Jeff Loeb writing. I assume Kelly did the first half and Loeb did the second half because uh, it is kind of split in two. There's like a break. It's a, a reasonable assumption, but there's no actual clarification. Of yeah, that. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume it just because I enjoyed one half more than the other. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that the half I enjoyed more was Loeb, but sure, uh, you know, and it. It makes some sense. Uh, we got four artists on this. We got Duncan uh, Rollo, uh, Todd Nuck, Carlo Barberi, and Scott McDaniel uh, all on the art. So, a uh, lot of artists jumping around. So, we have had a rough time with this story. Uh, basically, I mean, the first issue was good, and then everything since has been kind of rough. Uh, Varying levels of not good. Yes. So... I went into this one kind of dreading it because, oh, it's like an oversized issue of, <laughs> of what I've not been liking. There's not a lot of reasons for me to be excited about this. Uh, and 
the back half I I liked reasonable amount, right? It's not perfect by any means, but once they got to this idea of Superman recruiting this world's Justice League and the jokes that they were making with some of them, like you know, uh, you know, the Flash being the the flabbiest man alive and Wonder Woman having a rolling pin and being this housewife type character, like all these kind of jokes that was poking at and like you know Aquaman being an actual fish uh Martian Manhunter being Marvin the Martian essentially like okay I get the humor and what they're doing here and the the, the tropes that they're poking at and like what they're going to sort of overcome uh and I I genuinely did kind of enjoy the moment where the super family kind of remember who they are and they all go to their their, their actual costumes you know Supergirl Superboy Oh, get their actual costumes. So he's not convinced the Justice League to help him, but he's convinced the Super Family to like be on his side. So yeah. that's kind of an uplifting moment. Uh, so that second half I really enjoyed. Well, I say really, I, I enjoyed yeah. it. I enjoyed I, it. I, I think you might have enjoyed that more than me because I I like the moment with the the Super Family. Don't be wrong, but like the the Justice League and the the various jokes, I was not feeling at all. Sure. Well, it, it was a bit too much, don't get me wrong. It was a bit overly wordy, a bit over clunky those pages, but I definitely liked it more in the first half of the book. The first half of the book, which was Joker with Lex as his servant, uh, speaking to Bizarro, uh, even just like Superman stealing uh, Mixie in the ship and getting shot down, like all that stuff, I just I wasn't really into it that much. Uh, Supergirl and Superboy run into each other, kind of setting up how they go looking for Superman. Like there was a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of wordy pages, especially with Joker. I thought the the two page exposition from Mixie, like so. So basically, what's happened here is that Mixie got bored because like he doesn't actually want to destroy the world. Because if he destroys the world, there's nothing to play with. He likes playing with things. So he you know he has fun with Superman, but he he appreciates that it always ends and he's always defeated. And you know by the time it's done, uh, but he was getting bored. So he thought to spice things up that he would give one percent of his power to the Joker. But the Joker's actually pretty smart and sort of tricked him and ended up taking like 99% of his power and makes him feel like an idiot because of course Joker with this power is an absolute terrible idea. It's causing absolute chaos. Um, So that is an idea, okay. I mean, it's funny because Joker, I think for a modern audience and certainly to me, I think of him as a, a murdering psychopath. So the idea that you would think this was a good idea at all to give him like any percentage of like... His power is like insane, but you know. Uh, no, I get it. One yeah. percent is is like uh, it's 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 harmless. He can have a bit of fun with Batman, but at the end of the day, I'll just revert reverse, reverse it. I just want to see what he does. Mm-hmm. But uh, so yeah, that that two page spread though, where it's our two page layout, where he's explaining this. I, I got to that page and went, "Oh my god, there's a lot of bubbles." Oh, it was rough. There's a lot of bubbles in this page. I don't like it. Uh, and then there were still bubbles in the page after that. So. Uh, and that was notable in the first half. I, I think the, the second half was definitely an easier read than the first half, but certainly not without some of its own clunky clunkiness. Uh, and they are kind of shifting. I did appreciate, again, this is in the second half, it's notable all the things I like are in the second half. Uh, I did appreciate uh, Joker's got all the Robins kind of there as like a... Basically slaves or like he's playing cards with them. I like that Jason's a corpse and it just has a sign around his neck saying, "Why didn't anyone call in to save me?" <laughs> I appreciated that, that joke. That got me a good chuckle. Uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, so I mean, I, I think there was some humor in the second half, which was I'm pretty sure was the low path. Uh, the super family moment I I pop for a little bit. Uh, this idea of Superman inspiring people. Although I'll tell you which bit I did hate even in the second half. 
Joker goes to see Darkseid, who's got a who's assembled, you know, sh- uh, the Wizard Shazam and. Uh, oh, I know Phantom exactly Stranger. what you're going. With. This is the worst joke of the issue. It is. It's terrible. This is so off the time because this came out in like 2000, 2001, and basically this, and and so was this advert. Yeah. So basically, all of these characters start saying "What's up." And then Darkseid's kind of resisting it, and then Joker shows up, almost like a version of the, the Star Child from 2001, and it basically enforces his power onto Darkseid, so Darkseid also succumbs to the, the urge to say it. And he actually starts saying the line from the, the, the advert, he says, I am watching your game, drinking a suds. And it's the sort of thing where I can never have told you that, but as soon as he said that, I went, oh, that's from that ad as well. That's, yeah. that's from the was up ad. Okay. Uh, so that that that's that's two that did pa- not age well did it yeah these two pages have aged this considerably everything else worked kind of i mean it wasn't good but it worked it worked on it its was own in, in a relatively timeless fashion but that was like okay i know exactly when this this issue was written yeah I, I, yeah I, I mean i so something about joker i feel like joker's humor is really sadistic and savage but it's above just quoting the was up advert. <laughs> I, mean, I would like to think so. I, I would certainly think so. Uh, but luckily it won me back with the super family moment right after that, where they're all in costume. Uh, and they're proper costumes, I should say. They're all back to kind of looking what they're supposed to look like. Yeah. Uh, and the Justice League kind of say, but they're not willing to like believe in him. But Wonder Woman does call him Kal-El, and Superman's like, well, that's a, there's a chance they're going to show up. And of course, we're going to have the big save where they show up in the final fight or whatever. Uh, yeah. So let's set that up. Uh, the issue ends with Joker killing Lex. Uh, presumably, this is obviously safe because we're in an alternate world that he's created, and when everything goes back to normal, undo it all, and everything will be exactly how it was. Which does make you feel a little bit kind of pointless. <laughs> in, in yeah, sense. honestly, I I don't think I understand the reputation that this story has because people really like the story. People talk about Do it. Do they? In- yeah, I, I know a lot of people who really like this and talk about it in, in high regard. And I don't get it. Maybe the last three issues are really good. I mean... <laughs> four. I've got four left, sorry. I mean, maybe, but I, I mean, I didn't even think this issue was that good. Like, there's a couple of moments here or there that were... I don't know. I mean, overall, I found it kind of a chore to read. No, I, I, I found the first half a definite chore. The second half, I thought, was... You know, if the second half was the quality we had like throughout since issue one... I'd have been okay with this story for the most part. I'd be like, okay, it's a bit clunky in places, but it's got some fun ideas and some fun stuff. Uh, first issue, you know, Superman issue 160 or whatever it was, was definitely the best one so far. Uh, and then I think the second half of this was the second best easily of, of the of the book. And looking at it kind of objectively, you're not wrong. The problem is by the time I was getting towards that second half of this issue, I, I was out. I, I, would, I just, it was hard to care anymore because, you know, even disregarding the previous three issues, which I wasn't really into, I just had, you know, 15, 20 pages of stuff that I, I was finding a chore and not enjoying here and now. Um, no, the first so by the time I was getting to that, I was I was not enjoying it. I'm not defending it. The first half sucks. The first half is a chore to read. Uh, mm-hmm. But the second half is just better. Like, it's not... 
Like, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not saying it saves it for me. I'm not saying, like, there's been enough of this has been bad now that I'm never going to look back in this story arc fondly. I mean, unless this entire second half, you know, the last four issues are all amazing, in which case, maybe it saves it all. Maybe, you know, maybe it's like, okay. Maybe it's at a point where you can read from just this issue until the end. Yeah. Uh, but as of now like i mean i'm like i can't imagine i'm going to have a fond opinion of the overall thing uh but we'll see we'll see how it goes we'll see if it does pick up uh, in the back half uh compared to what's come before but yeah so like you know i think i appreciated some of the jokes that it was going for but admittedly that was up a couple of pages like almost attracts an entire point on its own just for existing uh i i mean that wasn't even funny at the time. No, it wasn't. No, I hated that advert. I hated so it. So did everyone with, you know, more than fifteen IQ. <laughs> oh dear. Um, all right, we we give an Emperor Joker issue one. Uh, I'm I'm giving it a four. I was a not a huge fan. Shifting artists didn't really help. I'm going to give it a five point five. Uh. Basically saying that the first half I would give like a three, <laughs> and the second half I'd give like a seven. So I'm going to go with a five point five overall. I think a seven for for a half of an issue that included that was up gag is very generous. <laughs> Maybe it is, but I know. I mean, I, I pop for the Superman moment, and I thought the Justice League stuff was at least amusing. So fair enough. Yeah, it's fine. You know, five, I think five point five is a fair score. Uh, but this is sad that that's kind of the, you know, <laughs> that's the positive side of this. Yeah, I mean, I might have rated the last issue slightly higher. I can't remember, but of course, this is like a, t- a hole with that first awful half. Uh, yeah. St- that said, though, nothing is the worst. The worst issue was definitely the second one, though. Nothing's topped that for worst yet, though. So I'll make I'll make that point, which is not saying much, but still, uh, I really hate that second issue. That was rough. Yeah. That was really rough. But then that was like whiplash as well because the first one was like pretty positive and it was like oh my god this second one's like a chore what's going on anyway uh, that'll take us on to our final book of the week as Cara tries to hold back his hiccups uh, we have successfully holds back a hiccup thank you very much <laughs> I mean was Mouth it worth it? Was it worth? Uh, yeah, but we still heard it. We still heard that. Oop. If I, if anything, it's a more awkward noise because it just sounds like you're dying. Yeah, but it's significantly quieter. All right. Okay. Anyway, uh, final book is Batgirl issue three. Brian Q. Miller and Lee Garbett on the art. I I feel like this week, given where we've rated various things, I mean, typically there's the same two or three books are in contention for best of the week, but I feel like Batgirl has got a really good chance. Before we even talk about it, it's got a good chance right now. Of being best of the week. I mean, by default, it's going to be in the top half of books, right? Pretty much. I mean, I don't think we've rated anything higher than like a what, seven point five. That's that's the highest rating so far. I think so. Yeah. So, and I'm fairly confident I rated this yeah. higher than a seven point five. No, I I gave Wonder Woman an eight. Okay, fair enough. But is that? I mean, still fairly good chance. Yeah. Fairly good chance. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Batgirl issue three. This is the end of the opening arc. 
the issue arc, uh, establishing that she is going to be Batgirl, that Oracle is going to help her, is going to be aligned with her. And it's kind of funny that, you know, I was joking that we had a sort of similar scarecrow went to de- Detective. It's kind of funny how we also have in this book an Oracle relationship with someone where she's accepting that she's going to be this person's, like, wingman or, you know. So, and obviously I'm comparing that to Birds of Prey. So there's, there's an interesting... Some, uh, Combination of books is what this is. Yeah. So... Good stuff. So she obviously she's going after Scarecrow. Uh, Babs points out that Cassie's belt will have like a Scarecrow and toxin in it. Uh, and so Steph's like, oh, that's handy. That's good. Uh, <laughs> so she does that. And the issue for the most part is, you know, Scarecrow uh, makes two of his henchmen fight with scalpels, which is really goddamn dark. Uh, this is this is the thing. I, I think of Stephanie Brown Batgirl as a fairly light, bubbly book. But even this, compared to that detective issue, the Scarecrow is a much darker character. Uh, I mean, in that issue, he did make a guy jump out of X amount of stories high hospital window just because. Okay, that's true. But I don't, making two guys fight with little scalpels. I know. Uh, I think the difference is this isn't as funny. No. No, it's more and, horrifying. And, which... Yeah, where it's just the, the sheer idea of what happened in Detective Comics. If you just, if I just say it like that, then. It sounds really dark, but it's actually quite comical to watch, whereas this here is not played in a funny way at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was going to say that maybe that's a testament to the, this writing being much better, that it is able to shift to the horror aspect of it, but I'm not entirely convinced that in Detective it wasn't intentionally supposed to be funny, so therefore it's not a problem. It's not a fault of the writing, it's just they wanted it time. to be, Yeah, they wanted more of a hijinksy moment out of it. Uh, Batgirl swings in, of course, takes out some henchmen, faces off against a scarecrow, Love the height difference. Uh, Scarecrow feels like he's six foot five, <laughs> and she's like five foot five. He uh, definitely is with that hat on. Yeah, uh, so that's really good. And she fights him, but of course, of course, the toxin, the antitoxin's not working completely. He's giving her more stuff. Uh, she sees uh, Tim and uh, Scarecrow's place at one point, and then eventually herself is spoiler. And it's but that, that this idea of the past is coming to like you know terrify her and kind of talk her out of doing what she's doing uh, and the whole point of it is that it's building up to this big moment you know her her mask gets ripped so she's got one eye exposed uh so the art's really good in that sense i, I love uh, garbett's uh uh spoiler i think i think that spoiler costume looks really good in this issue yeah i love the way he plays with the the shadow on the face and stuff uh, i think that's it's really utilized well yeah, it's good, good stuff. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, she's thinking of you know all this, and she's thinking about all this. And it's uh, what I love is that she's kind of down for the count. She's getting beat down essentially by herself. She's getting beat down by Tim, but then by herself. A spoiler, but obviously it's really a scarecrow. But it, obviously, we we take this more as the the metaphor than we do the literal here because that's what's in her head. And ultimately, she's woken up because Barbara finally calls her Batgirl. She says, "Batgirl, wake up." She finally says, you know, essentially gives her, permission is not the right word, but her, you know, it's hers to pass on, right? She finally gives her approval, yeah. I think because there's a a moment earlier on in this issue when she's saying, oh, yeah, there's a a thing in the belt. Uh, She says, in Cass's belt. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, again, it's that distinction, just making it clear that she was, it wasn't her belt yet. Yeah, and I think it's saying something that as much as Steph is this independent character, like, she really needed someone to believe in her. In this, and I think that 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 approval from Babs is what gives her the strength here to kind of fight back. And she gets up and fights back. Uh, beautiful scene, actually. We got all these like police lights out from the outside, sort of get, like making it a silhouette uh, as they're, they're fighting. Um, 
and it's you pretty know. unique lighting because it's the way they swirl but you've obviously got the red and the blue as well yeah it's it's, it's really interesting yeah uh and you know he's like ah you know you're, you're for- if you stay here you're being forced to be because because she gives this speech about how people you know leave town or run away to escape and you know you stay behind for a second chance to actually face who you've been and accept your past and move on from it instead of running and she obviously ends with the big full page of her saying i'm back girl and kicks him in the face and it cuts to you know babs at the bottom of the page going she just might be uh, so mm. you know it's, it's a really fun moment of like them accepting each other Babs accepting that she actually might be a new Batgirl uh, and Steph accepting herself um, and the, the, the sort of love interest cop shows up late in the you know she puts on the gas the gas pellet and escapes as, as the bats often do and she makes some waffles the next morning because of course she does uh, and leaves a message for the cop on his window so Babs she was reluctant to get involved with the uh the you know the the the, the wendy girl who who's playing basketball in the wheelchair uh because leslie was saying hey you can give her some advice you can give her some guidance you've got experience and she was reluctant to do it but she's willing to do it now so it, it means that babs is also accepting her past a little bit in the way that steph is so it thematically ties in babs gets a job at stephanie's high st- or at uh, college sorry uh which you know she's just, i don't know did they actually say what her, her role was um assistant professor. professor yeah that, that, what, yeah so i guess she's yes, te- not librarian i guess she's technically teaching something there if she's an assistant professor uh so intriguing so they set up that which is you know again a fun dynamic to set up for the for the series that babs is going to be around at our college so she can you, yeah. know, I, you know i, I joke that i compare this to you know buffy as batgirl a lot but this essentially puts babs as the giles who's there on campus for advice yes yes i know Come on, it's gold. Uh, so Babs takes Steph to the Batcave and says, okay, we have to do this this oath with the, the the candle. And she's like, this is more about me. You've already made the oath to yourself. This is about me making the, me, me making the oath to, to help you, to be by your side. Because uh, this is the oath that I made with Bruce when I became Batgirl. Um, and of course she gives her her new outfit because she's earned the right to wear it. And her fat last page is her jumping down in her distinct Stephanie Brown Batgirl outfit with the purple sides, the hair flowing from the back of the cowl. Uh, which, by the way, I love this outfit, for the record. Uh, it's, it's a good costume, yeah. It's a good yeah. solid design. I really like the purple, which, again, uh, it, it ties in with a lot of Batgirl themes in the past anyway, but it really works with her spoiler outfit, uh, you know, the yeah, it's like an evolution. It's, it's taking the colour scheme of her spoiler outfit, but giving her the golden bat uh, to go with it, which is a really nice touch. Um, and I, I think, you know, obviously I love Cassie's bat suit for Cass, but one of the things that I do miss from Cassie's bat suit is the hair flowing out the back. Uh, and it doesn't make sense for Cass. I don't think she should have that, but I think as a return to that, that's that's the old school idea of the hair coming out the back of the curl. Uh, I really like. Yeah, I like it here. I think I get why you miss it with Cass, but for Cass, that's just a, it's in the way, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. In, in no circumstances would she want any potential weakness on show. Yeah. So no, I mean I'm I'm not complaining. I think for Cass it's perfect that she doesn't have it, but you know part of me is kind of missed it because I I like the look of it. It's really distinctive versus Batman, right? It's this this distinctive is, yeah. look uh, that really separates them. Uh, so no, I really dig it. Uh, so no, that's the end of the first arc, and uh, Steph's got her suit. She's got her mentor in place. Uh, this was welcome to the Batcave. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think for me this issue is it's really solid. I do have a couple of problems. I think it's a little bit strangely paced. I think because this little back section uh, that we've got, uh, you know, with with 
Babs, you know, in the cave mm-hmm. and the costume, all, all this stuff. I feel like it's rushed through a little bit for me. The, the, we spent maybe like three or four pages too long on the Scarecrow stuff uh, for yeah, the first like, half of the issue. And could have just done with a bit more time with this uh, aftermath here, which is the big climatic beat of the, of the issue and the, the arc as a whole. Yeah, I could see uh, trimming down the Scarecrow section a little bit, but um, ultimately I don't think it's that big of a deal. I I think it hits a lot of beats that it needs to in the sense that it sets up Babs as a mentor and where she's going to be. It sets up you know her her relationship with her mum because she makes her mum waffles for coming home so it it reestablishes her balancing that part of her life with her with her batgirl life and it also is that you know brings back the, the love interest cop and like him seeing the message in the window and she's done a little bat heart <laughs> and he's like oh so this girl's going to be trouble like it it really feels like the end of a pilot episode of a tv show that really is it it, it, it's put all the, pl- the pieces in place like okay here's all the elements we're working with going forward and i think that's where i feel the problem which is something we often complain about in pilots as well is this end section here after Scarecrow, this feels like the last two minutes of a pilot where you have the bit of narration from the lead character over the top, mm. like kind of recapping, here's where we are going forward for the show. And uh, and I just feel like we need a bit more time on this stuff. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but no, I still really saw this issue though. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped uh, for more. So uh, what are you giving this one? Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5 just because of those uh, that little patient issue. Otherwise it would have been an 8. Weaker on that Wonder Woman issue, you're absolutely crazy. Uh, I'm going with a solid 8.5 for this one. Uh, loved it. So, there we go. Uh, that is all the books. Uh, we will pick our favourite and maybe least favourite uh, of the of the week. Maybe Art 2 as well. Why not? No reason No reason we can't do that are we, too. Are we doing favourites as well now? That's new. Sorry? We're doing least favourites now as well? That's new. Yeah, I figure we might as well. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we always make it clear in the, the comics from the multiverse, but one's, one's the least favourite. And I feel like... Yeah, that's true. I feel like there's enough here. Because we're not doing top fives, because it's kind of weird to rank these. Because it's the same books every time, for the most part, so it's kind of weird. So I think yeah. just favourite and least favourite will cover the cover the uh, the range. Uh, so what was your uh, top art of the week? Top art is interesting... It's between Wonder Woman and, and Batgirl, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I might edge it slightly towards Batgirl. I think um, just just a couple of interesting old pieces in there that I like more. Uh, uh, yeah, I would definitely go with Batgirl, I think. Uh, mainly, just for, for my taste, I think I like Garbutt's faces a lot more than Chang's. Uh, That's fair. And then also the colour scheme. Again, it's very... It's a, just a choice thing, obviously, the, the specific colour scheme for Wonder Woman, but I definitely like the vivid colours in Batgirl a bit more, all the deep purples uh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I, I really like the, the, the deep reds and stuff that it uses mm. in the background. So I think that's uh, some really strong colour work in, in Batgirl. Yeah, so Batgirl for me as well. Uh, least favourite book of the week? Uh, Emperor Joker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd probably I'd go with Emperor Joker as well. Uh, even though I was more positive in that back half. I mean, still, that first half is trash uh so there you go uh and then best book of the week yeah it was kind of spoiled slightly in the last discussion because, oh yeah uh, but uh f- for me it was, it was wonder woman uh, that's fair uh bad girl for me obviously um yeah well i mean what obviously isn't the worst book of the week for me you, you, you know i would because it's still a well put together issue so i'd still put it above you know emperor joker at the very least um I mean, I like Detective more, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> You're a terrible person. I laughed, I laughed a lot more at Detective, I'll say that much. Yeah, yeah, no. 
But how much of that was an intentional laugh? Yeah, hose me down. Yeah, keep, keep doing that. Right there. Right there, chum. Uh, hose me down, boy. Uh... <laughs> Terrible. Oh, dear. Yeah. Okay, so thank you very much for watching or listening. Uh, Leslie, you, you, uh, you're thought of these books at the comments oh we should tell you as well actually uh, obviously because we're doing these weekly now uh, we're only about a month away from finishing emperor joker so we'll actually have the next vote to replace emperor joker uh the book that will replace emperor joker the vote for that will be up in the next week or two uh it's probably after next week's episode uh so next week we'll probably have to, we'll, we'll be able to tell you the picks for ne next episode so next week we'll tell you uh, what the four options are for five dollar patrons and up uh, but speaking of patreon patreon.com slash tv you can support us for as little as a dollar per month uh, and you get bonus content for that uh, but at the five dollar tier you get early access to all the multiverse shows by one day and every so often you get to vote and uh, a vote for this show uh, like we're talking about right now which is that you get four books to pick from and you guys will vote on it and that's what we'll do in that slot for the next six weeks eight weeks twelve weeks whatever however long the book may last so, uh, Batgirl and Superman Emperor Joker are the two current winners, but Emperor Joker, because we're going weekly, there's only four weeks left, so we'll be doing the vote in a week or two's time, uh, which will end at the end of the month, uh, and that way that when we end Emperor Joker, just after that, we'll be able to go right into whatever the next winner was, rather than having, you know, some time off where there's like, oh, there's no book to replace it yet because we've not done the vote. So, that vote will be coming uh, soon, so uh, keep keep an eye out. But, uh, yeah, so uh, you can do that. Uh, you can, of course, check out the main show, which is normally Comics from the Multiverse, which is where we talk about new DC Comics. Right now, that's on hiatus because there's no DC Comics coming out due to a certain epidemic. Uh, because of that, we have Quarantine in the Multiverse, which is just us talking about whatever movies we've been watching, other comics we've been reading. Obviously, comic book news gets brought up uh, as well as anything else that we want to talk about so it's just kind of a fun you know couple hours together uh, catching up uh to give people something to take their yeah. mind off the world so that's going on for the foreseeable future yeah at, at least until the end of the month i mean i feel like that's when we might see something happen I mean, but i know um mark wade is a you know he's he's in charge of a small he's a, the publisher for a a, a different company i think uh, humanoids um, so he's the one that you know making the calls on delays and such, mm -hmm. and he has officially today, as we record this, made the call to just do you, know, do you know what we're not having any books until September. We'll see if DC do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't see them ever going. Well, it will just leave that. They, they'll be pushing it week by week at, yeah. uh, at worst, but. Yeah, could be a while. Yeah, they're never going to just say we're done until then. But the yeah, at the very least, they're going to be like, well, okay, another month of not doing books. Maybe we'll be back in a month, and then we'll get to yeah. there, and they'll go, oh, maybe it'll be another month. <laughs> like yeah, they'll yeah. they'll keep doing uh, that. It could get to a point where they're playing it even less than months, just by you know week by week. So yeah, that is what you think of the books. Blah blah blah, usual stuff. Uh, guys on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. Uh, but that is us uh, also review the podcast on iTunes Apple Podcast give us five stars and a review helps more people find us all that kind of thing uh, but yeah so this is going weekly for the foreseeable future now I will say that it is going weekly with the caveat that occasionally we may take a week off if things get busy but the goal will be to do it weekly rather than every other week so it will definitely be more episodes than it was coming before uh, so hopefully that pleases some of you guys and we can get through some of these runs a bit quicker and we can uh, you know get to some good stuff so uh, join us next time for more Batman Year One and 
basically the next issue and everything else. Yeah, that's the only thing that really changes week to week is the Batman stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and which one shot we're on for Birds of Prey. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So uh, thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to hose them down nice and wet. That is not your outro line. <laughs> it can be, chum. It can be. Thank you.